listening to audio from Grove Park Baptist Church. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.groveparkchurch.net. Last week, the psalmist in Psalm 120 lamented the fact that they dwelt among a warlike people as they began their trek to worship in Jerusalem. I'm sure that they thought once they left the warlike people in Meshach and Kadar behind that their struggles were over. I'm sure they thought, well, we're, we're rid of them now. We're good to go. And yet this morning in the very next psalm in this pilgrimage journey, we find that they're looking for help. You know, you and I very often think that once we get ourselves on the right path to God, that everything is going to be okay. But we must understand afresh this morning that once we're on that right path to God, there is nothing more enticing to the forces of darkness than a child of God going in the right direction. And they will throw everything in their power, every weapon in their arsenal, to pull us back from that right path, to pull us back to the path that we were on, to pull us back into the comforts of our old sin. Notice verses 1 and 2 this morning. I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Very often you and I will read these, these passage, this passage of Scripture and we'll have good thoughts about this first verse. But the psalmist in writing it is being very intentional this morning. When he says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? He is Hearkening back to the ancient practices in the ancient Near East of building pagan worship sites on the tops of the hills. It was on the tops of the hills where they put the Asherah poles and the the Baal temples. And so the psalmist is saying this morning, I look to the hills, but I'm looking beyond them. I'm not looking to the, the old style of worship. I'm not looking to the things that I've left behind. I am looking to God from whence comes my help. Beloved, you and I very often in life, when we're put on the right path, when we find ourselves turned to God or tried to have forces come against us to pull us to taking our eyes off of the Creator and putting our eyes on the Created, to putting our eyes on those things which used to bring us comfort and which were a substitute for God. But notice the words of the prophet Habakkuk this morning. What prophet is an idol when its maker has shaped it? A metal image, a teacher of lies. For its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. 
Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake, to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. He says, don't look at all these created things. Don't look to the hills. Look to God. Remember, God is still on his throne. God is still sovereign. God is still in control. And we need to cease speech knowing that he is. But if you're anything like me this morning, you'll find that very difficult. Because sometimes... When the weapons of hell are deployed to drag us back into our old comforts, we seem to find ourselves in a place that isn't silent, but is roaring. When the pressure is on us and things are going rough, we don't hear God. We don't hear the fact that God is in control. We only see on the noise and the confusion around us. And we find ourselves at pressure points that cause us to give in and go back to the old ways. What are those pressure points? Notice with me verses 3b through 4. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Maybe that pressure point for you today is because you find yourself in the night season. Do you ever feel alone and in the dark? Do you ever feel like God is very far? I mean, here we have turned back to Him in Psalm 120. We're on the path, and and we have that wonderful intimacy with God. We feel like He's right there, and yet somehow in the darkness, when the pressure comes, we can't find Him. He seems so far. Are you in the dark season tonight or maybe it's not the dark that's the problem maybe the pressure point for your life today is that you are absolutely exhausted notice verse 5 the Lord is your keeper the Lord is your shade on your right hand the sun shall not strike you by day. I don't know about you all, but whoever left the door to the oven on this week in North Carolina, I really would like to find them and hit them. I am tired of the heat. I am longing for snow, I'll be honest with you. I hate the heat. I hate the sweat. I, 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 it just, it just burns me up, no pun intended. And you get working and you, in this heat and it just sucks the life out of you, right? You walk outside and it sucks the life out of you. 
Beloved, hear me this morning. You and I serve a God who doesn't suck the life out of us, but puts life into us. Heat exhaustion, I've read this week, shows its signs through severe thirst, weakness, and fainting. And some of you, the heat is on in your life today. And you're getting really exhausted. You say, "Not yes, pastor, I know that the heat is on out there. No, I'm talking about in your heart, the heat is on. You're in some situation and, and you feel like you've been put in the pot and you don't know how to get out of it. This morning, hear me, God keeps you. He will not suck the life out of you. You say, I'm hot and to the point of thirst. Jesus met a woman in such a situation one day, and he said this to her, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. We serve a God who gives us something that cures all thirst. So don't give in to exhaustion. You say, but I'm about to the point of fainting. I'm very weak. The the pressure is so great. Hear the words that God sent to the fainting and weak children of Israel through Isaiah. The Lord will always guide you. He will satisfy you in a sun-scorched land and strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. For the child of God, because God is our keeper, because the sun will not strike us by day, you and I are oasises in a desert. If we will just look to him. Now, the next verse is a little interesting, isn't it? Nor the moon by night. What is he talking about? Well, the ancients believed in something called being moonstruck. It's a weird word, isn't it? Moonstruck. But they believed that the moon could mess with your mind. Now, understand something. I'm not talking about mental illness. Mental illness is, is something that is very serious and very real. And we need to treat it seriously. And we need to talk about it seriously. What I'm talking about, though, this morning is being plagued with doubt. Playing with your mind. You know... My father was great for this when I was growing up. My father taught me never to say definitive statements in my personal life. Because I would say something definitive, and my dad would look at me, and he would say, Are you sure? Well, yes, I'm sure. We'll prove it. And so the, the conversation would go, and at the end of it, Dad would say again, are you sure? Well, after that, I learned unless I was talking about God or my love for Eliza or Carolina, I wasn't going to say much anything else definitive. Because, are you sure? Sometimes, beloved, playing with your mind, you get in those doubts. 
Sometimes anxiety will come and, and throw you off kilter because of your doubts and you'll be paralyzed to the point of indecision. So we need to remember, we need to hear afresh the cry of God, fear not, for I am your keeper. I am your keeper. Fear not. It has been said that there are 365 occurrences in the Bible where, Jesus, where God tells us, fear not. Now granted, I'm not very good at math, but I know there are 365 days to the year, so that seems to me to be a fear not for every day of the year. Now we're in trouble on leap years, but guess what? Someday you may not use, you know, some years you may not use your fear not, so you'll have one extra. But he will keep you. Fear not. And now, though, you may be at an even more crisis moment. Maybe this morning you aren't in the night season. Maybe this morning you're not finding yourself worried about the effects of spiritual heat exhaustion. Maybe this morning your mind is secure and you're not uh, in danger of being moonstruck by doubts and anxiety. Maybe this morning what you're facing is something far more insidious. Maybe you are afraid of slipping into some temptation. Maybe you're afraid of falling back into something you've left behind. Maybe you're afraid of falling into something that's always been hiding in your heart and has never been let out, but you're afraid one of these days it's going to pop out and you're going to fall into it. Notice verses 3 and 7. He will not let your foot be moved. The Lord will keep you from all evil. The Lord will not let you slip. The Lord will hold tight to you. You're afraid of the temptation. The temptation should be afraid of the one who is greater than all things who lives within each and every one of us. We cower in fear because of the temptation. But we should remember the words of 1 Corinthians 10. No temptation has ever has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape. That you may be able to endure it. God keeps us. C.S. Lewis in his famous work, The Screwtape Letters, said that man does not understand how close they are to the end of the temptation when they give in to it. This morning you may be thinking, I'm about to give in, but don't look for the way of escape that Paul spoke of in 1 Corinthians. Know that God will keep you. As you journey through this life, beloved, remember, we serve a God who keeps. Notice the last verses of the psalm. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever 
more. Six times, if you'll go through and count, six times in this psalm, God is described as our keeper or he keeps us. In two of those instances, the verb form is one of a continuous and everlasting action. He keeps. Now, I don't know about you, but that gives me a lot of hope. That gives me a lot of hope that says that no matter what I have done in life, God will still hold me. And it also means that no matter how big my screw-up is, that because He keeps me, He will pick me up and dust me off and nothing as Romans 8 teaches us, will ever be able to, celebrate, to separate me and you from the love of God. You know, there's a lot of fear in life. I don't know about you, but I fear a lot of things. I worry about Eliza, when she goes off to school, because schools are crazy these days. I worry about the girls when they go off, and I'm not driving the car, because not that I'm the world's greatest driver, but there's all these other fools out there. I worry about our family scattered all over everywhere. I worry about everything, some would say. But this morning, I need to hear, and you need to hear, that God keeps us. He keeps us. You know, we're in the process of moving. And probably about five weeks ago or so, late one night, about 10 o'clock at night, I got this idea in my head, and I, I looked at Eliza, and I said, I'm going to Walmart. Now, the phrase... Going to Walmart, coming out of my mouth, is enough to strike fear. Because I don't like to go to Walmart. And when I go to Walmart, and particularly if I'm saying this late at night, something has occurred in my heart that means that I'm about to come back with a bunch of junk that Eliza thinks we don't need. Like one day I, I said, I'm going to Walmart. And I came back and I had ten tubs. And she says, what are you going to do with that? I said, we're going to pack clothes in it. We've packed everything but clothes in it. But that night, I went out to Walmart, and I came back, and I had bought a lockbox. And she said, what are you going to do with that? And I said, well, we're getting ready to move. I said, and there's all this stuff since our last move eight years ago that we've inherited. Both of our grandmothers have died. Her mother has died. I said, there's a lot of important family stuff. Like, I have some of my great, great grandmother's letters to my grandmother. I said, and we need to make sure that we don't lose these. So I'm going to go, and we're going to put them in this lockbox. Why? Why? Because we want them kept. Hear me, beloved. 
You are in God's lockbox. God has got you. You are eternally secure if you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And yes, sometimes you may stumble, but He will pick you up. Yes, sometimes things may not go according to plan, but He still got you. What I want you to hear from heaven today is the sovereign God of the universe, the one who made heaven and earth scream into your heart, I gotcha. Now, I don't know about you, but hearing that in my heart makes me want to go run and try something for him. It makes me know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It means that we can go and accomplish the seemingly impossible. Why? Because he's got us. So he's got providential care all around us. And when we need something, remember, he's the one who made heaven and earth. He can snap and it'll happen. He doesn't need anything. He's God. And He's got you. And He's got me. So here's the question today. Do you need to be reminded that you're in His lockbox? Do you feel like you're teetering? He's got you. Maybe, though, today you have never felt what it is like to know His hand in yours and that you are eternally safe with Him. He stands wanting to walk with you. All you must do is give your life to Him. And you can be secure. Oh, beloved. He's got us. Do you feel it today? Let's pray. Father, we may not feel it. We may not feel that you've got us. So help us to feel it. Lord, there, there may be some here today who feel like they're on the end of a, of a limb and someone's sawing the limb off and they are wrapped in fear. Or maybe they're exhausted. Or maybe doubts just plague them. Lord, speak to them and let them know you got them. Maybe, Lord, there's one here today who doesn't know what it's like to hold your hand. By the power of your Spirit, Lord, show them that you have a hand extended, ready to take theirs and walk with them. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Where has the Spirit spoken to you today? Maybe, maybe 
he's spoken to you and told you he's got you, but you, you, you want prayer for that, I'll be glad to pray with you. Maybe he's spoken to you on some other matter today. Maybe today he's spoken to you and say, you know what? I want to have you, but we need a relationship. Maybe today you say, I want to join this pilgrim band known as Grove Park Baptist Church as they journey to God. And I want to be held up by brothers and sisters who I know have me and have my back as well. I don't know what it is God's spoken to you, but I know he will answer whatever it is he's laid on your heart. I'll be glad to pray with you. You can pray by yourself. But would you come?